Holy shit. Give me Garrett, a hell yeah. Full gear is just ended like 15 minutes ago. We're just sitting here chilling, and you know what? It's time. Hold, hold, dude. I mean, just. I guess let's just immediately jump right in. Just kind of overall say, feeling following the show. How are you feeling right now? Um, I'm very excited for the future of AEW. Um, you know what? I'm just gonna say that I was gonna save this toward toward toward, tell toward the middle, but I'll just say it now because it's on top of my head right now. Charlie, it has felt like every pay per view this year has been mired by an injury, a con, a, tri- a controversy, uh, a, a, an overshadowing of a return, uh, uh, whatever. Something has always been taking the shine off of where it should be, which has always been right on the talent that should be at the top of the card. And Charlie, it feels like for the first time this year since Triple H took over, the AEW was able to smack back in a meaningful way. I like that. I like that. And, you know, it's been like it's because it's not they haven't had great pay-per-views. They've had great shows. And I think that's why WWE's had to step it up so much. But I think this is the first time and it sucks that it took till November to get here. But I'm glad to say that it feels like there's nothing that they could do at Survivor Series that's going to top what we saw tonight. That's that's a good point. And, you know, following all out, I mean, when we went live, that press conference hadn't happened yet. And then that after that press conference, everything just went to shit for the next. I mean, literally, when we were watching that show, the same sentiment for me, pretty much. Like I felt like they finally got everything together. The matches weren't exactly to the quality that they had been previously in the year, but they were good enough. And they and we had that moment with the with the acclaimed and serving our glory, which obviously was huge. Um, but my God, Charlie, like it just feels like we're finally to a place where things can, we can move. We can, you know, as I said in my tweets and not that I want to keep going back to this, but you know, um, it was time to, to let the past die and to kill it if we had to. And it feels like we did that tonight. I agree. I, and yeah, man. So geez, let's get some, uh, some, some stuff out of the way here. So guys, we just made a Twitter and some of you guys have been checking that out, tweeting us, letting us know. It's at Eat Sleep Elite. It's very simple. I mean, we kind of want it to be like a little community thing where we can all hang out. You know, just give us a follow. We'll follow you back. Simple stuff like that. And uh, we have our own Twitters. Garrett is at Bane Duke. And I am at O'Charlie with an X instead of an A. Garrett streams on Twitch at uh, the Duke of Derps. And Garrett, what are you streaming this week? Do you you, Um, you got a game you're playing right now? I mean, I've been playing a lot of Overwatch 2 lately. Uh, Okay. Been, I started a, a let's play of Assassin's Creed 4, uh, which obviously anyone who's ever played that game or, or knows about it knows it's a pretty pretty long, pretty thick game. Um, but uh, I don't think I'm going to like 100% it or anything, but I'm playing, yeah. Wizard, I'm playing that, some other things. I'm thinking about bringing Apex back, stuff like that, you know? Absolutely. So, and yeah, I mean, if this is your first time checking out our podcast, we're, as you can see, we're on like all of your podcast feeds, Spotify, Amazon, Google, Apple. Uh, iHeartRadio, so Pandora, uh, I think, yeah, like, yeah, a whole gauntlet of them. So, thanks for checking those out. Um, if you like this, uh, hit the follow or whatever, and stick around and check out what we do. We uh get new weekly episodes every Sunday. So, absolutely, this is actually <sighs> our third. If you if you listened, if you'd been listening this week, if this is your first time listening, you'd have gotten three podcasts because we did the weekly show and uh, we did that a little earlier than we normally do in the week, and we did. Uh, predictions for this show as well, which if you didn't see our predictions, make sure you check that out as well. We have that still in the podcast feed as well. Um, so if you're curious what we were thinking going into the show, you can check that out. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, Charlie, just that, first well, of all, thank you to everyone that stuck with us through this first year of doing this. Like, it's, yeah, it's been a, a journey to say the least. And our I'm just fir- glad to first stay. episode, Adam Cole's in ring debut. It's kind of cool. First episode, Adam Cole's in ring debut in the most recent episode, the, the crowning of MJF. Just what an incredible year, you know, to go from there to there. I mean, uh, you know, it didn't happen the way I don't think we expected, man. But yeah, boy, and boy, 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 am I, I can't say I'm disappointed. Like, my God, you know. Agreed. And, you know, here we, overall, real quick, I'll, I'll say this before we jump in kind of from zero hour to the end. We'll just spend some more time on some others because, my God, these matches are fucking, we had some really good stuff. But overall, I felt there was some good emotion tonight. Oh, that yeah. That I didn't expect in some cases. Some big surprises. Big surprise, like yes. genuinely Samoa Joe winning. I I did not see that in the books. I would have picked the other two guys probably five six times before I even thought of Samoa Joe. I could have convinced myself different ways. I didn't even con- consider Samoa Joe. We were doing the predictions. I was like, yeah, he's ROH champion. They're probably not. I heard do one the person say that before the show, and it was genuinely uh, the guy that does the show. It was not Alvarez. It was one of the guys that does the show with him, and he just threw that out there. As an idea, because you know, Ring of Honor doesn't really have TV anyway, so yeah, what difference so, does it make? And I just, I feel, I'm very happy, and I think you said it best with the future, the product of the future, how we're looking right now with our two world champions being Jamie Hader and MJF. I think that's a really good sign. And yeah, so let's just immediately hop into a zero hour, unless I'm forgetting something, because yeah. um, we don't really touch news or anything on this. So zero hour. We kick right off the entrance. I think this entrance for full gear, fantastic. That that big vertical screen in the middle mm-hmm. really kind of brought everything out, and it made the stage feel that much bigger. Something I've uh, sometimes AEW just has a stage where it doesn't feel like it's that big of a show. I will say I did. It was a little sad that we didn't have the tunnels, but I mean, eh, they probably tried to make yeah. it work, and it didn't. You know, and they were like, Whatever. agreed. They they just they probably couldn't make it work. So you know, let's get a big old vertical screen along with four others. We have five different screens. Mm-hmm. Really look good. So the factory they're going against best friends. It's amazing to me how you watch Dark. If you watched Dark every week and just watched QT and what they do, you'd think they were like the least over people in the company. But then, like you watch them on pay per view, and everybody is so fucking into them as heels. It's incredible. Like QT, this is something we like to say. QT will always get the reaction. If this QT is the perfect guy for live shows, and that's why he's on literally almost every elevation, and why he's on all these zero hours, and why I do think now more than ever. We're going to eventually see the factory get a run with these trios titles and it's going to be the free bird rule and it's going to be a good time. So I'll just kind of take us through this uh, right away. We get some where's Danhausen chance. So mm-hmm. Danhausen's not out there for good reason. Um, Chuck versus solo kind of opens up our bid. Uh, Trent hits some nice combo moves with Rocky and Chuck. Mm-hmm. Shoddy Lee gets in there. Garrett, Shoddy Lee is selling incredible. Shoddy Lee's doing everything great right now. I think Shoddy realizes that shot. Uh, wow, I think that Shoddy Lee realizes that he's getting a shot here, and that he might not get another one for a little while because he's getting that momentum wave of you know just returning. Take take advantage of that on a pay per view yes. buy in. Yes, absolutely. QT just ends up getting the heat that we all know he's going to get. He's just getting mm-hmm. whooped up by fucking everybody. Orange Cassidy comes in, just some great reactions. Uh, the one that stuck out to me the most was with Nick Camarado. Um, Excalibur, 
he, uh, he mentioned he wants a black and orange velvet suit for the next pay-per-view. So someone pin mark that because I, I need to know if this is going to happen. Uh, QT then goes on. He starts selling a really good DDT from Trent that I liked. Orange Cassidy and Lee Johnson, I think, was my favorite combo in this match. So we're kind of getting towards the end here. And something you mentioned to me was the pace. I, I thought the pace mm-hmm. of this match yes. was fucking just flowing so well. Uh, one uh, blue, the blue thunder bomb by Shoddy Lee yes. that he landed on Orange Cassidy. I mean, that looked clean. It really did. And Cole Carter, he gets tagged in. He gets some really good high velocity offense. I, I added a little note here. He's looking like a bit of a star, man. I, I can feel when he's out there. There's a little bit different of a presence. Like I, I just, I mm-hmm. feel like no, I know. If this I've, guy I've turns into from a the star, beginning. I just don't know what they'd do with him. Like he's yeah, I don't know what it's going to be yet. He's Maybe almost like too. Like he almost just looks like a slightly too young or something. I feel like it's the same problem Dante has, where they he just look have a at baby him face. and they're like, man, I just don't see it yet. You know, with same with Dante. You know, like I just, there, there's something about the way he looks, and it's not a knock on Dante or on 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 Carter. It's just. I think that holds them back a little bit sometimes. I think they, you know, they need to fill out a little bit more before they can get that spot. You know, so once um, Carter clears the ring, QT is kind of in there all alone. The booze are just fucking raining in. <laughs> QT sucks. Chance Danhausen, new music hits. This motherfucker's got teeth in a jar. I like to say shit is metal, and Danhausen was fucking metal, bro. You know what I think? That I have a theory about this. I, this is my. This is his demon king character he's not gonna okay. do this all the time the very nice part it's gonna be like very nice very evil he's gonna be sometimes he's gonna be very nice dan house and sometimes he's gonna be very evil and, and he, oh my god he, that is a good point he walks in he hits that that german on qt that i thought i was like wait a minute now that looked pretty good he gets a teeth chant nick gets a mouthful of teeth dan Housen ends up pinning nick I think overall, oh, and the reason is, why I say that too, match. his face paint was different. I don't know if anybody noticed this. It, it, it was. was he had like blood on the bottom too. Yeah. So I think this is like Dark Danhausen almost. Like I, yeah. I think when he gets pushed to us, it's like it's like with Finn when he gets pushed pushed. Well, when he, you know before he got rid of that gimmick, um, when he gets pushed to a certain point, he brings out the, the demon within him. You know, because Danhausen's gimmick. It's just in the same way that like Matt Hart or yeah, Matt Hardy, for some reason I didn't think that was his name, but Matt Hardy's gimmick was that he was a thousand year old, the evil spirit, right? Same thing with Dan house. you know what I mean? Like, so there could be something you could actually play with there. Certainly Matt Hardy did. I mean, we saw that it got real dark with him and, and Bray there for a little while. So, you know, like I, I think it's the opportunity is there if they want to play with it. And if they, you know what, Dan Housen, I'm starting to understand why you're so popular. We jump into Renee. She has an interview with our boy, Kenosuke Takeshita. He said he's Bro, happy dude, to be I was back so in AEW. Happy we cut to this. Oh, he's he's officially all elite. It's been his dream since he was a child to be a wrestler in America, and he's going to fight for his life in AEW. This is going to be my favorite story to follow in 2024 or 2023. I, I now question Charlie. Can we? Is it fair to consider a a Takeshita in AEW rookie next year. Because we've had this conversation because we wanted to sneak him into this year, but he wasn't signed yet, and I don't think it would be fair with him getting signed at the he very He probably won't year. be since he was featured so heavily for four months. Okay. You know? But we can definitely get him into consideration because... I'm thinking of this in hockey terms, right? If you go beyond your nine-day contract, that's your rookie season. 
But if those okay, guys we should think about a way, maybe we should think about this a little more off off of yeah. here because because I'm thinking we can do something like that. But I don't think it should be like. I think four months. I don't even know four months. I don't know. If we don't know. You know what I mean? Yet. I don't think even still. As, as great as he is, I don't know if we've seen the full. Maybe that's much more I than Kenny's going to wrestle this year. You know, it's stuff like that. Yeah, but Kenny would have wrestled 30 times this year if he could I have. Know. You know what I mean? Like, he's going to get some more matches. Hey, that's the anyway. fucking seven. Are you kidding me? Yeah, we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Brian Cage, Ricky Starks. Uh, big pop for Ricky. Them boys were swinging quick, man. Uh, I thought the mohawk on Cage was looking long. It was a long boy. Uh, he had a nice avalanche long. suplex. I mean, Cage yep. was really just holding it down on offense pretty much mm-hmm. throughout the beginning of this. He had a really nice knee to the head. I thought he sold super well, too, though. I've been he saying did. that a lot lately about Brian Cage, but he sells super good. Can't help it. I wrote, uh, Ricky, be careful of your neck, bro. I mean, he took a really weird one into like a turnbuckle, I want to say. And I was like, ah, let's, let's chill yeah, out He's that. fine. Um, he if fucking Soraya can wrestle like she wrestled, we'll, she's he's fucking fine. You know, he, he he swerves a really good chop. He hits a like a nice little jab to the chin that I got thought got a nice little <laughs> pop. Um, Brian Cage is countering every comeback attempt. Uh, there's a Bro. slow pace. This is a slow pace, but Ricky <laughs> finally lands a big comeback attempt DDT, mm-hmm. and the crowd is instantly piped up. They're ready to roll. Uh, yep. A Weapon X was countered by Ricky into a ended up hitting a really nice super kick by Cage. The spear gets a two. Uh, Cage gets a discus lariat for a believable two. I, I write believable two because I could have believed that he got pinned here. The way it was hit and with the counter that it was done. Yeah, I did have it written in my notes that all the near falls in this match were really good. Um, Ricky then hits a beauty, like a really nice destroyer combo. And the Rochambeau gets the dub. And we got Starks and Page this dynamite. What did you think of this That's- one? Uh, it's a really, really fun match. Two really solidly good wrestlers getting in there, having a really fun match. Honestly, like that, it was a little bit of a Team Taz like battle too, which I always love to see because Team Taz yeah. is one of our. It's funny, like there was all these factions when we first started watching, and like Team Taz was literally the only one that we were into. It's kind of funny, and it was the least popular faction. It was the greatest thing ever for our podcast the for a whole while. Dante, we... Seidel, Leo Rush thing. <laughs> they drew us in, man. It was oh, like yeah, this we is were so good. We were oh, all in. Dude, imagine, oh god, Leo Rush. What a footnote in AEW. Yeah, fuck. Imagine that one losing still kind of hurts, man. It that sucks. one still kind of hurts. Not as bad as fucking Gresham, though. God damn. Gresham stung because that would have been the future of Ring of Honor. I'm sorry. That would have been your fucking two-year champion in Ring of Honor right there. You know, like, yeah, I'm just saying it because it's true. But um, we we yeah. then we jump into the Eddie Kingston dream match. This is our final match on Zero Hour. It got the time it deserved. Wait, wait, wait. Before we move on, there was yes. something else we got to say. Buddy, we had some flying meat in that previous match. There was some meat in motion. I just had to say that, okay? <laughs> Some meat in motion. Dude, that's what they're saying. I do that pop me on commentary. I was like, come <laughs> on. That's pretty good. Um, the Eddie Kingston dream match, man, right? Uh, the promo before it, he, the passion was real. He, he had some tears in his eyes before the match even starts. Well, in the backstage promo, there's some loud Eddie chants. This kind of, the way we get rolling here, there's a feeling out process, which um, would you kind of describe to me? I mean, like you're like, you were kind of saying this is this feels like an all Japan match. Like yeah. that's what Eddie so, wants to do here with him. I've literally guys, you don't understand. I've literally sat for like hours just kind of going through the archive of old all Japan matches. Like I haven't seen all of them, probably not even a good amount of them. But I, I when I tell you that I've never watched pro wrestling like that before, 
I, I'm not kidding. Like, uh, and I feel like I, Charlie, I don't know. You've seen it. I've, I've sent you like three or four of those matches that I've watched. Oh, yeah. And tell me, Charlie, we watched a couple of Junakiyama matches in that, in that mix that I sent you. I couldn't tell a difference between the kid that was wrestling Kenta Kabashi that I sent you from 97 and, and, th- and this guy, what was the difference? Yeah. No, it was it, the it, same. It was the same kind of match. It was, it was insane. And it was even crazier because as they pointed out throughout this match, Charlie, Eddie wrestles a lot like Kenta Kabashi did. And what an honor for Eddie. I mean, so this was Jesus, kind of like know? a bit of a, it was kind of like a bit of a match they would have had, you know? I mean, that was the match that I sent you, by the way. I don't know if you remember. It was Kabashi versus uh, versus Akiyama. And, man, I, I don't know. There's something that spoke to me about this match. There was this methodical grind down that Jun Akiyama was doing where he was just keeping the pace slow and just grinding him down with that hard offense, the hard strikes, the heavy sort of throwing moves. And Charlie, it was just like those all Japan matches. What is the one thing that is key in every one of those matches is that it starts off a little slow. It builds up slowly over time. We get some chain wrestling. We get some holds after all that's finally exhausted. And we have a little bit of a worked in, you know, a, a worked spot, sort of like the neck, the head, whatever they're going to target in that case, in the case like Kabashi, that's what he would usually do because of the, the, excuse me, because of the lariat. And, um, then as soon as shit hits the fan, it hits the fan hard and there's head drops and there's suplexes and there's all kinds of different crazy yep. finishing type moves. And I like that Akiyama never successfully hit that flying knee, I don't believe. I like that. It's like Eddie scouted it and prevented it from happening because he knew it was the, the only, only way thing I could think of was a, like a stiff knee to the chest while Eddie was on his knees. Yeah, that I don't know if that counts. Yeah. It might. It, it's close enough. I mean, it's kind of like Kabashi's lariat. Like he doesn't have to hit a full burning lariat every time for everyone to be like, "Oh, lariat!" You know, like it. Sometimes it's just a lariat, you know. But they, it's might as well be the finish. But anyway, my point is, this match was incredible. Like you said, there was that incredible, like, uh, not to use the same word twice, uh, knee from from uh, Akiyama where he was running, where he was seated. Yep, and that just was brutal looking. Eddie hit a Northern Lights bomb, which is just one yes. of my favorite spots. Oh my god. It's a hard spot to do, I think, as well, especially with two big meat men like that. But there was a um, DDT on the apron from June that I thought was oh, really beautiful. Yep. Absolutely. He also had a curb stomp. Yes. We had a good, had a good amount of curb stomps tonight. That a little was bit a really of Yonker's strong style in there, which is my favorite, probably my favorite call of the night. Um, yeah, man. We had some machine gun chops. Like I said, lots of head drops. And that's that's a key part of that all Japan style. You may not like it. It may be nasty and brutal. Ground and beef was, chest. Oh, just... <laughs> this was my if there was going to be a match in the pre-show that was a built like built for me man this was it and our smorgasbord of professional wrestling kenny likes to call it exactly uh, and, but yeah and this mean, was the, the big meat slap fest as we like to call Eddie it Eddie ends up uh he ends up winning with his elbow he yeah that urican that's a very that emotional win back fist, yeah there's a handshake there's a hug after i mean this is just some beautiful stuff Eddie, seeing Eddie in like I mean, he was in tears. I don't want to, uh, yeah, not, he like, was. And not to, to, you know, not that fucking toxic masculinity is really a thing that I want to support anyway. But like, not to be like, oh, he's crying. Like, he's not crying because it was fucking. He was crying because this is probably to him, it's the greatest moment of his life. You know, like, Rest I mean, this hero. is something he's been working for his entire career. I believe it was a Hase versus uh, Akiyama match that made him want to become a professional wrestler. 
I mean, and when he grabbed the mic after, it was pretty funny too. He's putting over the match and and he's talking about the show we got coming up, talking about that piece of shit MJF. And I know, dude. <laughs> look at Eddie. Look at Eddie. Eddie talked for two seconds about himself, <laughs> and then immediately started selling the show. What a fucking dude! That's the guy you want in your company, right? I mean, that's the guy you want in your company. So, really good stuff. It's time, man. Let's jump in. Let's jump into the uh, the official card of Full Gear and. We kick us off with uh, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy Jack Perry in a steel cage match. I mean, yeah, I was about to say you have to. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, if you don't play it, we're, we're, <laughs> we're all failures if we don't. So I'll run us through this match real quick, and then we'll kind of give some yeah, yeah. thoughts on it. So the video board uh, right away with Luchasaurus's entrance, I thought that to me is when I noticed it. I was like, wait a minute. This thing's actually like kind of nuts. Um, Luchasaurus, he really took some heavy offense early. Uh, Jack got bloody fast. Mm-hmm. He, he was just getting ramshackled into the cage. He's sporting the crimson mask. Christian ends up stealing the keys. That's fucking, that son of a bitch. Dude, Security saves the day. A fucking genius. Sorry, I had to stop you there. He is, dude. A genius when it comes to coming up. But no one who has ever thought of that spot. I'm going to steal the just key like Loki. Key. Like I've heard them. I've swiping. seen him threaten the ref and get the key. I've seen a ref get knocked out and them get the key. I've seen the key just kind of be in a place where the refs aren't in control of it. You know what I mean? That yeah. is new, and I liked it. I did too. Uh, security ends up saving the day here. There's a fight outside the cage. Uh, Luch is getting the table. He still has control. I mean, he's mm-hmm. dominating. Honestly, it, it's a slower pace here, but it's a deadly pace. That's kind yes. of the way I felt. Um, Jack is kicking the dino head into the cage. Uh, the chair to the head gets really close to choke slam onto the chair. Gets a really big pop. Um, Jack's trying to put Luchasaurus down, but he's so powerful. You were my best friend. He he- gets headbutt. Stay down. You're done. Luchasaurus says. Uh, and then my favorite moment, man. I... Jack wipes his face with blood and just bitch slaps Luchasaurus. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> There's a pile driver from Jack for a two count. By this point, the crowd is really into it. So you're having your slow burn, right? It, like, it was that offensive deadly match. And when you get to this moment, if the crowd gives the reaction you want, you've won. You did your job and the booking was right. Um, a tombstone gets a two from uh, Luchasaurus. This is awesome, Chance. Jack lands a brutal chair shot. Jack climbs to the top of the cage while Luchasaurus is on the elbow. He says a prayer, drops an elbow from the fucking roof, puts him in the snare trap, and Luchasaurus taps out. Um, what'd you think about the winner here? And uh, what'd you think about the match? I know following our uh, Eddie and Junakiyama, I like the pace of this one too. Yeah, absolutely. I agree <laughs> 1,000%. Um, so, uh, fuck that table for not breaking right. But anyway... Um, but uh, it was fine, but I just it, it, when they showed the replay, it like totally takes like a half second after he lands on. Yeah, <laughs> it's like whatever. Can't use the spot replay, but fucking that happens to AEW so frequently. Maybe they need to get new tables. Like, don't get anything that's gonna hurt anybody. But like, Jesus Christ, maybe that's what happened with that that Julia Hart one was that was a bad table. But um, yeah, I I really enjoyed this match. Uh, I noticed. I don't know if it's something I've been noticing lately or not. I can't remember, but it it looks like Jungle Boy's chest is getting a little bigger, Charlie. Um, maybe he's starting to finally fill out that figure a little bit so he can be a big meat man that's slapping meat. Um, along with the other big meat slapping, slapping men of the company. Um, 
yeah, yeah just some pretty crazy athletic spots from him uh he like you mentioned he got yeeted into the steel a lot uh he got jackknife power bombed into the steel and almost got pinned between the steel and the ring i don't know what happened there but that, that was fucked. cool um and yeah and i the only thing that was a little silly was jungle boy's family seeing him bloodied and beaten and just cheering it on but i mean hey they, they've been smartened up so you can't do anything about that you know um so but yeah i mean a really good match to open the show and like you said the pace was perfect because we just had that like super raw motion from eddie and we we needed a little bit of a come down and i think that was planned perfectly and maybe even done like i, I imagine if there were some things that were certain on the card that would have been probably one of them just because it makes sense from um an energy standpoint um because i mean the match that we went into next needed to have a bit of a cool down from the Akiyama Eddie thing to, in order to be able to have its full glory, Charlie. A thousand percent. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. I really like this. I like the result too. I think Jack getting the win here is a good result. And if they're going to, you know, sell him as their pillar and he's one of the next big stars, well, you got to win this feud and we got to win the Christian feud. And then maybe there's a world where, you know, Eight months from now, it's him and MJF. Did wait, Charlie? Did every single pillar win on this show? Who are the pillars? It's MJF, Darby Allen, uh, Jack Perry, Sammy Guevara. So nope, Sammy. Oh, didn't so win. Sammy didn't win. So Sammy's the only pillar. Damn, fucking everyone got featured though. Chop liver, <laughs> <laughs> chop liver. <laughs> Death Triangle versus the Elite, the AW Trios Championship. I was all in on this match. Uh, the Death Triangle entrance, I'm going to say it again. Favorite entrance right now. It yep. has been. as When they're a yeah. trio, I love this fucking entrance so much. Uh, Penta's the Joker. So, sorry, Swerve. He stole your gimmick. No, just yeah, sorry. <laughs> Rip. Um, the Elite entrance is being held. We're like, all right, what's going on? They're doing the TikTok thing. Carry on, carry on. Flashes twice, and you and I both know where this is going. Mm-hmm. Carry on, uh, Wayward Son, the theme song. Shout out Kansas. This is a. I, I want to say it's some anniversary of the song too. Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah, which is pretty neat. The crowd is unbelievably hype here. Welcome back, Chance. So, yeah, I'll, I'll run through some of this match, and then we'll okay. uh, kind of dive in it after. Uh, Kenny versus Pac is our opening up the show here and just right away, just elite chain wrestling. I, I just, I, I missed Kenny and I felt that right away. I'm like, thank God his fuckers back. Fuck CM Punk chants. These yep. were loud. They some were Colt Cabana chants. Uh, Ray and Nick have their turn now. Some really fun counters. Young One Blitz of the best and- calls of the night on commentary, referring to Pac's new method of winning as Pac's way of the hammer. I that I that needs. Oh to be my on a, god, that's great! I didn't. That needs to be that. on a fucking t-shirt. The Pac's way, of, way the of the hammer. The way of the hammer. What is dead may never die. Literally, like seriously. Uh, <laughs> I forget who said that, but God, that that damn. was good. Um, Young Bucks and Lucha Bros have a pump kick exchange, and this is they're back, man. Some AEW chants. We like seeing yep. that. Uh, Young Bucks and Kenny were then hitting all the goodies. Nick was drinking from the fans. I would say Matt took a little sippy. Yeah. Uh, Kenny getting destroyed by uh, Death Triangle. Dude, dude. He was like, are you sure? Because I think he didn't know if the dude wanted to drink after him because they had COVID and all that. Yeah. <laughs> like, are you sure? All right. 
Hey, uh, Pack is bleeding from his nose at this point. Uh, Matt's going nuts with a really – I like the Northern Lights suplex. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick getting some really insane high rope combos on the Lucha Brothers. Kenny and Pac, round two. Pac sold the fuck out of a kick. Kenny's Snapdragons are just going in. That's a that's a work of art. Kenny Snapdragons, genuinely. Oh, yeah. Um, Matt is planning Ray with a DDT on the apron. Nick hits, I want to say it's a Hurricanrana. I didn't catch what it was. Uh, maybe it's a, something off the top rope outside. He literally yes. catches Penta on the top rope. Hurricanrana is him outside. They knock everybody out. Pac and Kenny, round three. These motherfuckers are just going at it all match. <laughs> Some really good offense this time by Pac. Um, a triple tombstone is done on the Elite. There's a really good combo into a DDT followed by Destroyers. Uh, Pac hits the Black Arrow on Kenny into the submission. Uh, Ray killed Kenny with a kick to the face. He tosses, uh, he then gets tossed the hammer. Now, the hammer has been something we've been following for the past couple weeks. Pac's been using it to cheat. Phoenix doesn't want to cheat. V trigger from Kenny to Ray. I'm like, oh, shit. Because if you guys didn't catch the prediction show, I, I was pretty passionate about it. I don't think the Young Bucks and the Elite should win this. Yeah, I, now, I was saying that back before they even finished the investigation because I yeah, figured that's the way they were going to go. You can't have them walk back and win the titles day one. You just you can't do it. Um, Ray ends up kicking out from that. Fight forever chant. That's the chant you want, right? Penta goes oh, to yeah. Sling Blade City. Triple super kick party to another two count. Pac defends. Pac wants to use the hammer. Some more top rope goodies. The hammer gets tossed to Ray. He knows if he doesn't do this now, all else fails. He's going to lose the title. His hand was forced. He had to turn to the dark side. He used the hammer on Kenny. They end up pinning Kenny. Death Triangle retains. There's going to be a best of seven series. Garrett, the elite are back. What'd you think of this? And I mean, there's more spots in there I, I missed, but I mean, this was literally just balls to the wall, insane trios action. The trios title, the the rank of matches, if you're counting the tournament, have been fucking insane. Yeah. Um which we had, which is the entire argument I had for why they should make them in the first place, and why that that should have been before the TBS and the All Atlantic Championships. But that all aside, um, like you, like you kind of pointed out, they they never really missed a step in this match. Um, I think there's a one thousand percent chance that there's going to be like a Super Mario fucking Hammer Bros joke made out of this somehow, like. <laughs> Nice, because you know there's enemies in Super Mario called Hammer Brothers. And anyway, they're Lucha Bros. Anyway, um, so maybe, maybe that's me just assuming that they'll they'll stoop to that level of comedy because that's very Young Bucks. But um, no, I'm just kidding. That just popped in my head. Anyway, um, <laughs> but I mean, I'm just thinking. I was like Hammer Bros, Hammer Lucha Bros. Oh, anyway, math. But anyway, um, so yeah, so I, I don't know. Really good match. I don't think anybody expected that this match was not gonna. Um, hang and bang with the best of them the problem is this match should have been booked like three weeks ago or something and i know people are gonna be like but where am i blah what about this with cm bunk and what there was a reason why they couldn't be on the show there was no reason they've been back at tv for like what four or five weeks now like they could have done this why they should and you could be like well they did the sort of they didn't really sell it on it being elite versus death triangle which they should have one thousand percent. I don't think anybody can deny that. I think that's the biggest misstep with this whole thing is that they didn't build it up over like multiple weeks because that could have been way bigger. I'm sorry, it just could have could have been, but you know what? Hey, the match definitely. I feel like it delivered. Oh, it, it, it had for to, sure. Though, right? It no, it definitely delivered. I don't think the match was affected by this. I think the pay per view was. I think this hurt the pay per view. 
overall that, that maybe people would have watched it. I'm not saying that you would have got, I'm saying that you can look at the trios uh, matches, main events numbers and say, well, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Well, whatever. But when we're talking about AEW pay-per-views, it's a whole different ballpark because people will watch Kenny Omega on pay-per-view. That's just a fact. Oh yeah. 100% so. agreed. All right. So let's jump into our third match. Um, tough to follow that match. So what, are, what who follows it? TBS championship match. Uh, Jade Cargill versus Nyla Rose. Um, Nyla came out. She had a nice big entrance, getting out of a car and shit. Um, she lays out Hogan immediately. Uh, Jade, I didn't catch what she was wearing, but it, it looked really cool. Uh, I'm sure said it was Thundercats inspired. Thundercats. Okay, perfect. Yep. See, I didn't catch what it was, so perfect. So Jade's wearing Thundercats. So that's become her pay per view thing. She was Jade from Mortal Kombat. She was She Hulk, and now uh, Thundercats, and that's really cool. A little bit of a pay-per-view tradition for her at this point yeah now. absolutely it's, it's yeah, like it's not, it's not uncommon pentagon yeah. the joker and like samurai and stuff like that like it's i like it when wrestlers ricochet get, when he was busting out different gear every pay-per-view ricochet's gear was incredible for a while it really was uh so yeah um jade's landing some forearms she's in control kind of tossing around uh nyla a really nice pump kick over the barricade that i thought was really well sold by nyla too nyla ends up getting in some offense and Right, weirds. I here's where I kind of took note. Jade's starting to sell a bit. Um, Nyla gets a nice little okay. splash followed by a cannonball. Uh, Jade goes to the top rope. Nyla counters with a boot. Jade's selling at this point. I feel like almost more than she has ever. Like she's she's really selling it. She's kind of getting her ass beat. Um, but it's Jade, kind of hard to do this match with Nyla. I mean, because you put them next to each other, and Nyla's like the only person that can even remotely closely stand close, like in t- in proximity to Jade, and not look small. You know, like yep. So it's like when when you know you got your other big quote giant wrestlers in matches, they don't really sell too often, but they will against another bigger opponent. And mm-hmm. obviously, Nyla's a the world uh, been the women's world champion before, so she's yeah, no, no easy foe here. Um, she uh, Jade ends up landing a beast bomb in the comeback. Jaded is countered to a roll-up. Uh, Nyla lands a Jaded. It's a really deep two count. I, I don't know if Jade's had that count before. Like, this is this is how dominant she's been. I'm trying to... She doesn't really get two counts on But she has when she accidentally has almost it, been pinned twice. But yeah, that's, so, you know, like, these really deep two counts on her own finisher. It's like, okay. So, Vicky is really loud at this point. Uh, Kara Hogan just tells her to shut up. That kind of pop. Literally. Um... Nyla goes to the top rope. Uh-huh. Uh, get, her senton gets countered into a pump kick. Jaded, 42-0. And while Nyla, the pin's happening, Vicky is screaming, No! <laughs> uh, Vicky wearing the same shirt that uh, Rhea Ripley was wearing. So that's cool. Uh, that made me oh, really okay. happy. And that's that's really neat stuff. So, yeah, Jade and Nyla, um, as expected, this was the shortest map. Shortest map? Shortest match on the show. Uh, it was eight minutes, but... It, it wasn't just a one-way domination street for once, which is kind of nice. So, yeah, th- yeah. We're, we're moving past this, and um, uh, Jade is uh, forty-two and zero. So, yeah, I'm sure we'll see her ending title coming. Just continues forever. And uh, shout out to Aubrey with a cool-looking haircut. By the way, I totally missed Aubrey getting clocked on Rampage from Athena. You just missed it completely. Wow, I okay. totally missed that. I didn't even talk about it yesterday. I saw the you clip know what today, else we didn't. You know what else we, I couldn't I believe completely it. forgot to do. I, did we even predict uh, who was going to win the the TNT championship? 
I don't know, but I would have said Powerhouse Hobbs. I would have been wrong. I would have probably said, uh, if I had to guess, I would have probably said Joe because that was just in my head. But we might have predicted it. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I know I'm saying that now having a Joe have already <laughs> won, and it sounds really stupid, but I would have said Joe because of that thing that I heard from Alvarez's podcast. So I, whatever. Anyway. um, But yeah, so, you know, this match was what it was, right? It was sandwiched in between the trios championship and then the four way ROH world championship. Okay. Chris Jericho, Claudio, Danielson, Guevara, ROH world title, Sammy getting some loud boos. Ian's on commentary. We like our boy Ian. Yep. Um, immediately this kind of dives into a one V one situation on two different sides. Uh, Jericho and Danielson and then Guevara and Claudio. Jericho and Danielson are really landing some heavy chops. Claudio with the beautiful uppercuts to Jericho. The BCC is taking control here. They enter a long handshake. It's time for the boys to start beating the shit out of each other. Claudio and Daniel said, I wrote chain wrestling extravaganza. That's, uh, yeah. It's a really, <laughs> I, I wrote it as really cool chain se- uh, wrestling sequence yeah. um, between the two of them. Um, and they actually followed that up after they had just hit a really nice chain of uppercuts on each other. Yeah, um, it's nice so. little stuff. So they end up getting uh, – uh, they're both locking Jericho in the Boston Crab. Guevara breaks it up with a double cutter. Pop and lock Sammy. Someone coined it on commentary. The JAS is entertainers. Uh, Ian is just offended at this point. Um, Sammy is putting on some great offense on Danielson, I thought. And then uh, Guevara gets hit with the lion salt. Kind of like a friendly fire. You know, he wasn't intended to be the result there. It was it was supposed to be Danielson hit. Mm-hmm. And then... Let's be real. Jericho intended to hit him there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, Guevara then stops the count of Jericho trying to pin Danielson. And now he's tossing fists with Jericho. And I actually really liked the stuff between here of uh, Jericho and uh, Sammy. Jericho won't stop the crab on Danielson. Sammy hits the GTH on Jericho, which actually got a really good reaction from the crowd. Yeah, I thought, I dude, I actually thought, uh, I'm not going to lie to you, when he hit that and then he hit the, uh, what is it, the He hit a shooting star. star. Yep. I was like, one, two, holy shit. Like, really good t- deep two count. There was and that, then, and there was one other instance with Danielson. I forget what he did. Maybe he hit the, maybe it was when he hit that boost psycho knee on, uh, on Claudio. I, there was yeah. a couple of really close near falls that I thought for sure were going to win the match. Like, so after that, uh, Sammy Guevara tries to start killing Brian Danielson, and uh, that's a bad idea. Danielson slaps the piss out of Sammy Guevara. He then hits the knee on Claudio for the two count that you're talking about. Um, Claudio and Danielson really enter some really cool combos. Alariac gets a nice two. Sa- Sammy hits a Spanish fly off the top rope. Danielson locks in the LaBelle. Claudio hits a neutralizer on the floor on Danielson. Claudio hits an uppercut on Sammy, which is just a fucking beauty shot. Uh, Claudio puts Sammy in the swing. Judas effect on Claudio, and Jericho is still champed. This was just, honestly, action-packed from the jump. I thought Sammy looked great. I, uh, I ended up tweeting that out. I was like, Sammy's been in a lot of good matches this year, and it all started off yeah. with the match against Cody in January. Yep. S- all right. Silently fucking really good year out of him and absolutely i don't think even silently i think i think it's been known i think how much uh, i think he, he gets a lot of people a just kind of brushed of it off once that uh that feud with uh 
Scorpio and and I'll well, I think mean, a lot of fair, people just kind of forgot. Boy was kind of a bit of a fucked feud so oh no the feud was awful and it's just i mean we haven't seen scorpio sky since and it's been like six months yeah no he got hurt so oh did he get injured yes. i forgot okay yeah so um what did you think of this roh uh four-way for the uh world title tell you how much i enjoyed it charlie i you that spot you just reminded me of where sammy Guevara got obliterated uh Charlie, there's only one thing that you can say to that, and we're getting a retroactive award here. Because uh, I didn't think about it in the moment, but you know what? That fuck, fuck, it, fuck the rules. I make them up as I go along. So um, we can do this on pay per views now too. So um, absolutely. I don't know Ooh. why I never thought I could. I just didn't think about it, and we haven't had a pay per view since I started doing this. So here we go. So Claudio Castagnoli and also Sammy Guevara getting a little bit of a Simmons award. So yeah, yeah, it was going to happen eventually, especially with fucking Claudio. God damn. And I, I think we all, um, I actually will touch on that in a second because we know who Jericho's facing next, which will be fun stuff too. So, all right, it's time for the return match. Soraya, Britt Baker. Okay. This is where it's going to get interesting because I actually don't know how to feel about this match, Charlie. Yeah. So. It, it's not long, so I'll kind of I'll just run through go this ahead, real quick. Go ahead, just go through it, and then we can talk about it. So, right away, they're having a stare off, and I wrote the match feels big. It actually felt like a big match because of the I don't know the energy of the crowd since it's her return, and you know Britt's kind of she is kind of our uh, I don't know what's the term here. She's kind of our face of our women's division, the only star way. that's allowed to exist. And there's really loud welcome back chants. Uh, they had to go through a feeling out process. Um, Soraya starts selling the neck pretty quick. Britt's acting very cocky. I thought Britt hit a really nice twisting neck breaker on the floor. Um, so th- at the beginning of this is kind of her having control. She's showboating. She's like, really? This is who you brought me? Um, Soraya ends up hitting a nice uh, diving crossbody onto the floor. And the match is starting to get some length to it at this point, it felt like. Because we're kind of going a little bit back and forth. Soraya's finally getting some moves. Um, Britt head lands a really nice air raid crash. She hits a nice curb stomp for a two count and then rampage. Uh, well, whatever, we don't know what the move's going to be named. They didn't even name it. Uh, Soraya hits her rampage, which was her finisher in WWE. Some nice counters happen. There's a crucifix roll up into a ripcord lariat into a nice knee by, uh, Soraya. She hits the shining wizard, the ripcord elbow by Britt lands nicely. There's a second curb stomp. She kicks out. And then Soraya wins with the Rampage. So, yeah, I mean, it, this it, is Rampage, baby. Rampage, baby. We're going to call it the Rampage until we know what it is. The match ended up going 12 and a half minutes. I, I kept saying in the predictions, I don't know if this is going to be six minutes or 23. It landed at a 12. It sounds about right. So, yeah, I mean, I'll just say real quick, I thought it served its purpose. I think it looked fine for her comeback match. I mean, I figured Soraya would win. And I don't think Britt looked bad in the process. So, you know, I, I this is our second women's match of the night, and it wasn't for the world title. So we had three women's matches tonight. That's a good step in the right direction that we've been talking about. Yes. And by the way, I can't wait till we have Layla Hirsch back also. I know, right? Because that's going to be such a fun. Like, I imagine that's the person who they were probably going to do that with because she was getting on TV regularly. She had something going on backstage where they were like, yes, this is who we want. 
imagine that she has that history. On... She's like an Olympic athlete, right? Like, yeah. And imagine um, her so... taking on this new Athena. That would be incredible, dude. Because that so, was the same kind of story we were getting from her was that aggressive side coming out of right? her. So imagine the two of them colliding. My God. Blood good shit. So so uh yeah, what did you uh what did you think of this one? Uh Saray and Burbaker. You were kind of so, you had some thoughts on it. I don't know if it was just the way that I had like the perception I had going into this match maybe was broken because I just assumed that she wasn't gonna be able to do what she should be able to do. No, that's completely fair. But I got to be honest with you, man. It made me feel like she's made of glass right now. Because of the way she was selling, you think? I hope it was that. I think it was. I, I totally could be wrong here. I think they were purposely selling the neck that quick. I will give and you I, that they did hit just about every piece of offense on her neck that they possibly could. But I don't know if that was the plan. That and I'm sure the curb stomps didn't actually really hurt her. I don't think they did either. No, they so. did look like they hit her right in the fucking spine, though. Um, yeah. That was like nuts, but she, she looked, was able to hit some offense, which I thought was yep. good. Not the, as much the, as I would have liked. The one I liked was the diving crossbody onto the floor. To me, you, you're not doing that unless you're feeling some confidence in yourself because you're, you're really landing straight on the ground. Some brain CM Punk shit. Like, remember how CM Punk was like purposefully looking like he was not 100% when he first came back for like the first several months and then he hit this match. I forget which match it was, but he hit one match and all of a sudden CM Punk was back. I really hope it's that. Kenny Um, working his way back off the injury slowly but surely finally hitting the one-winged angel. But maybe a little more drawn out than that because that was literally one week. Yeah, it was like two or three bad. Yeah, it wasn't much. Yeah. But yeah, I'm really worried for Soraya, man. That, I really you know, am because like I don't I don't know. I remember saying to you, "There's no reason to have this match unless you can have the match everyone wants," and they couldn't. So I don't know what this. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have this match. I'm saying that this match, because of how big it is, deserved a 20 minute bloodbath. Okay, that's fair. but we couldn't get that. So uh, I don't know. I I will I'm say mixed about it. Yeah, that and that's totally fair. In my head, I'm kind of keeping an idea. I don't think this is going to be the last time. I imagine they're going to run this back at Winter is Coming, and then imagine they're going to run it back again in January at one of those big shows, and one of those that's going to close the show. I mean, ha- well, but, well, okay, I can tell you what show it's going to close. The third match is going to close the UK show. Uh, is that in January? I'd have to double check, but if it's not, it should be. I it keep should saying be. that. Why would you not go to the UK immediately? Can you imagine your first big show of the year being in the UK? Well, even even still, I mean, those West Coast crowds are nuts. So, eh. yeah, uh, that's uh, that was a twelve and a half minute match. So we jump into Wardlow versus Hobbs versus Joe. I'm gonna actually let you take the lead on this one. So we had our TNT title match. Yeah. So Wardlow looked really great, um, and it was our classic big meat slap fest for the TNT title here. Um, I do honestly think that this match took quite a while to get going. Um, for a sub-10-minute match, especially. Uh, I don't know what happened here. Maybe all three guys just didn't want to be working with each other. That's possible. Um, but it it was fine for what it was. There was a really nice shoulder tackle into a barricade, like yeah, into the like the barricade in the chair. 
that Joe took at one point. I don't have much written about this match, Charlie, because I wasn't really that yeah, into I it. I mean, yeah, it, so I'm with you. It took a little bit to get going. I thought Hobbs, he at, early on, he had a really nice delayed vertical suplex on Wardlow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That I thought really stuck out. Yep. I mean, but then the whole story here was Wardlow kind of going beast mode, right? He took control. He had a really nice senton. He had a nice spine buster on uh, Joe. Dude, that senton he managed to somehow hit on both of their fucking shoulders with his individual shoulders. I will never yeah. know how he fucking did that. It was a beauty. Uh, Taz had a great line. Uh, War Joe is dead. <laughs> Thank you, Taz. We didn't yes. know that. Um, but no, Wardlow and Hobbs are really just trying to overpower each other. Led to some power bombs. Joe ends up cracking Wardlow over the head with his title. He locks in the submission, and it's it. I mean, there wasn't really much chemistry here, per se. Mm-hmm. The match was kind of just big men doing big men things. I, I, I see what they went for. I just don't know if it delivered the way they wanted to. But that being said, Samoa Joe is the new champion. Yes. Yeah, I mean. You're so- not making that fucking decision unless you mean it. And holy shit. Wardlow, the TNT title reign of Wardlow has come to an end. So, as we like to do with this, let's kind of let's dive into his reign real quick because that's something we like to do on our show. Even though it's a fucking it, it's this is a pay per view episode, mm-hmm. we got to dive into their title reigns. So, Wardlow, he wins this title reign. Uh, he won it off of Scorpio Sky, and he won it just on a dynamite in a street fight. He was champion for 136 days that he ranks out as the top, as the fifth ranked AW uh, TNT champion behind Sammy Guevara at 138 days, but Sammy had three different reigns. So this is the third longest reign. Darby Allen at 186, Miro at 140, Wardlow at 136. So they finally kind of did what we were hoping they would do when they went oh to God, Wardlow. Miro. Where the fuck is he? You can say that again. Um, but this was, you know, it, the title reign had its length, right? But my, I, there was some problems with this title reign. During the, pay, during the pay-per-view, during the big Grand Slams, Wardlow was thrown in one-off tag matches just to be featured. He wasn't in TNT title feuds per se. Right, I mean, yeah, I mean that's fair. That that was I don't the think whole. We ever really got a storyline with Wardlow as champion, and if we did, they were very, very brief. And this one was one of the longer ones. It was about four weeks with Hobbs that he's been. We got with Sanjay and, and Lethal versus him for a little while, and that was a story. Yeah, yeah, and and I'm about to go through the uh, the guys he defended against. But for what it's worth, going into this feud, I thought this feud with Hobbs. Maybe we can start a new, you know, start a new thing with Wardlow here. If he was to retain, will we start booking some some longer feuds? Like hopefully like they're doing with Jade now, like they did with Nyla. Let's not go from Jade to now two weeks she defends it from someone else, two weeks later from that someone else, two weeks later from that. Oh, it's the pay-per-view. We don't have a feud again, but we need to get her on. Wardlow, instead of what they've done is, oh, now you're going to team with FTR. Oh, now you're going to team with Warjo. Oh, you know what? The pinnacle's back. Ah, this, that, this, that. And his title reign, these were his matches, all right? He wins it off Scorpio Sky at Dynamite 144. Dynamite 145, it's Fighter Fest. He defends against Orange Cassidy. Banger. 
hands down, my favorite title defense of his, and it's not even close. That was, the, that was like the second match of the Orange Cassidy run that led him to the All-Atlantic title, which I think is crazy. And when that match was happening, I remember you and I thinking like, what are we in for with this title ring? This is going to be something. This could be really good. Mm-hmm. This is week one. This is what we're getting. Yep. We, st- we start the Jay Lethal feud. Again, I'm still feeling pretty high about this. Like, mm-hmm. Even okay. through the Jay Lethal feud, I think we would both say we're, we're going against one of it. our guys. Battle yeah. of the Belts 3. He defeats Jay Lethal in seven and a half minutes. That was probably when Sanjay was the most entertaining on TV. I will give the feud that. That was yeah. probably when he was the most entertaining recently was that feud. So I'll give him I'll give a little bit of credit. I just feel like this. I'm with you, man. This title range just didn't hit for me. Three weeks later, we defend in a minute and a half against Ryan Nemeth at Rampage 56. Whatever, I guess. Two weeks later, we defend against Tony Nese at Dynamite 153 in a minute and 24 seconds. Um, Six weeks later... We defend against Brian Cage in a 10-minute match at Dynamite 157. That was the anniversary show. The match was okay. I, I remember saying we're, we were talking then. We we're like, this feels like our we first le- match at the time. This feels like our first legit title match in a couple months because it was. He hasn't At that point, he hadn't faced Jay Lethal in two months. So we were like, okay, maybe we're getting back on track here. The Matt Taven match, that was... a. Neither of us were like really gloating about that one. That was nine minutes. That was Rampage uh, 65. So that was three weeks after that. Mm-hmm. And then he def- he faces uh, two weeks after that. He takes that on That's so brutal. The kingdom haven't been seen since. Yeah. So that kind of tells you all you need to know. He beats Ari Davari in a minute 48 in a just pathetic match. So Orange Cassidy, Jay Lethal, Ryan Nemeth, Tony Nese, Brian Cage, Matt Taven, Ari Davari. Favorite match? Orange Cassidy? Probably. I mean, yeah. yeah, I would say. That was a really good one. Orange Cassidy, his his return's been a fucking astounding success. So so that's it for uh, Wardlow, man. 136 days. Where does he go from here? Maybe he just immediately gets it back, and that's how we... You could buy me on that, too. So let's uh, yeah. let's start something new. But Samoa Joe... Well, well, so what's the point of him losing it, then? I guess would be my point. Like, <laughs> Does that really get that much more heat on Joe than him betraying him in general? The like, shock I don't... factor? I don't know. I, but this is, unfortunately for him, for Wardlow, it's Joe winning the title. I don't think Joe's just going to drop this thing. I don't think so either. I, I, I mean, if you, if you thought that was the case, you'd have thought he would have probably lost the other championship at this point. So, I think Tony felt like, you know what? And that might have been the plan, by the way. I think there was genuinely a time when Tony thought Satnam Singh's going to be ready in time for me to have Joe face him and they're going to have a match. And that was going to be on one of the Ring of Honor cards this year. And Satnam Singh was going to become Ring of Honor television champion. I think that was legit thought in Tony Khan's head that he realized was not going to happen three three days later, not even three months, like three days later. He was like, oh, shit. <laughs> what do I and do with this title? You know now? what? And I- I'm thinking maybe something might have happened here where – he might have someone might have pitched this to him. Some some his brain might have figured it out. He's got a legit blue chipper. A legit blue chip prospect in Samoa Joe. Joe's 43 years old. He's not got he doesn't have another fucking five, ten years of this. It's Use true. him now. He's a fucking blue chipper. Get a title reign on him. Cause you know what? That fucking promo on Wednesday was absolutely incredible. And if he made the decision then, maybe if he made the decision then, like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm putting this thing on Joe. 
He can be my ROH TV champion. He can be my TNT title champion. He deserves this title. And if if that promo on Wednesday was that good, it convinced him maybe like, you know what? Maybe it awoke something in his mind. I need to fucking do this. I, I'm down with it. Fuck it. Send it in. Um, Jericho has a backstage interview. Uh, he said there's no dissension with Sammy. Uh, Orange Cassidy comes along. He says, I got a buddy. Tomohiro Ishii and Chris Jericho are going to take on for the ROH title this Wednesday. The Bulldog, right? Um, OC then looks at Jake Hager and asks, you like this title? Hager goes, yeah. Like, I like this hat. Orange Cassidy agrees. Nice hat. Hager screams, damn right. It's a nice hat. Hager was a little goofy here. I kind of like this side of him. Dude, I love this new character that Hager's coming up with where he's kind of like the goofy. He's like the big heater, but he's the, he's kind of goofy. They give him a little more personality. I like the idea. And I imagine that's how Hager actually is. He seems like a good dude, you know? like He does. He he does. So He seems like the kind of dude you'd hang out and watch some wrestling with, you know? Some wrestling with. And he'd be into it. He'd be calling all the spots. He'd be like, oh, my God, look at how good that was. And you'd be like, yeah, dude, come on, Jake. Come on, you can do that, you know, and some shit like that. You know, like, yeah, it'd be good. Be good. Have some so, coffee because I don't think he. I mean, I don't imagine he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that drinks. You know what I mean? Like gets fucked up on the liquor. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he does. Maybe he's a wild man. You never know. So he's got that beard. Darby Allen and Sting. They they go to take on Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. When are we going to learn got the most anticipated match of the no, show? No, not the most anticipated match, but Sting is fucking. He's a hundred percent at these AEW pay per views. This motherfucker always delivers. Every match Sting's in for some reason always seems to be fun. Right, I think um, it's because Sting knows. He knows. He has seen what happens when other wrestlers have come back at the age that he is at, and it just looks horrifically bad. He saw that Ric Flair match earlier this year. Not that they're the same age, but you get what I'm saying. Like, yeah. He saw what it can look like when it's bad. And all the moments that we're seeing from Sting, including the moment with Muda, including now this, this match with Jeff Jarrett, I think that they've figured out this formula with Sting. Maybe Sting's the one that figured it out, where you can figure out how to use these older wrestlers in a way that doesn't feel like... You don't have to be Billy Gunn, who's just a freak, you know? Like, whereas Sting, he can't really wrestle like that anymore. But man, and it shows sometimes, but man, when he spots out his stuff perfectly, does it ever work? And I think yeah. that's all you need to do. I think, honestly, WWE has gotten away with that with, and I'm just going to say, subpar wrestlers that can't make some of those spots themselves, you know what I mean? Like, with their, inability, their ability to build up the crowd, sometimes they'll give them a spot like that because it's in, you know, because it gets the crowd behind you. And if that's what they figured out, that they don't need to have Sting be the center of attention, which, why everyone thinks that you need to be the center of attention when you're, like, the big star in these feuds, I will never know. But, um, I think... The spotlight in this match, Charlie, it was on Jay Lethal and Darby Allen. 100%. More than anything. Yeah, I was going to say, what, what did you think of this one? Yeah, no, I was, yeah, I just started going there. So, yeah, I mean, so there was some TNA chance when, uh, when, when Jared <laughs> and Sting were across from each other in the ring, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, that was good. Um, because that was a classic match you would see on TNT Weekly, man, for a while there. Not every week, but every now and then you'd get a Sting versus Jeff Jarrett match, and it was usually pretty good, so I, I can't complain, you know? Okay. Um, hey, man, I, and I even said this to you while we were watching the show, I cannot deny how big of a star Jeff Jarrett is. I just can't. I, I, I can pretend that I don't like Jeff Jarrett because 
uh, he doesn't fit on the show. But the truth is, it doesn't really. It, we it's a smorgasbord, like you always say. So it, it, everything fits. I just don't like it. So I just have to start accepting that that's how it is. But um, Sting flew from the crowd, which was incredible. Um, you know, oh dude, the spot where Darby got caught and obliterated by Satnam. My God, yeah. Uh, just Satnam is like, and I keep saying this about Satnam every time. Satnam is so perfect to use in these certain situations. Like, I don't ever need to see Satnam wrestle and wrestle ever again. If he's just there to be on the outside and to catch people and to obliterate them on the outside, like, I think that works. Catches that long ass coffin drop and just ragdolls the motherfucker on the stage. I mean, that was yeah. Good. He grabs a fucking ladder, climbs up the ladder, lands like twenty feet below him, and he just catches him. Like, hey, bud. He also had a really big pop when he planted Sting with the choke slam. Hell yeah, dude. Satin that guy can be used, be man. I, I just think he needs to learn a little bit more. He's getting there. He's really close, I think. I would imagine because they keep having him do more. So I think he's getting close. It's just he's not there yet, you know? Darby he looks Allen, like he moves pretty uh, good, though, for that size. He does. And and Darby Allen went, you know, one step closer to the grave again, uh, almost dying, as intended with the Darby Allen pay-per-view match. Fuck it. Even Darby Allen dark match. Uh, Darby True. hits a coffin drop on Jay for the victory, so... As we said yesterday, we you never bet against Darby on a pay per view match. You just you just don't do it. No. So yeah, let's jump into Tony Storm, Jamie Hader, AW interim women's world title. Uh, I think they both had a really good reaction. This was a fast start. Yes. Let's go, Jamie Chance early. Um, it's a very solid chain wrestling to start us off. Yep. There's some ass slapping and some intimidation which I don't mind. I'm not going to be upset about that. Uh, a hip attack kills Jamie. I mean, it sends her to the fucking the outer realm. She, yep. <laughs> she's in the quantum realm right now. She's fighting Kang at this point. Uh, Tony, she's kind of running the show now. She's dominating. Jamie ends up countering, slams Tony into the barricade. Uh, lots of time spent out of the ring here in the beginning. Um, there's some chops going until Tony hits the ring post. Uh, Jamie again takes control, ragdolling Tony into the barricades, just back and forth, smacking her fucking head. This, there was some strong style hitting matches. Like, this was some strong style here. Oh, absolutely. Very good pace as well. Um, Jamie with a just beauty of a snap suplex. She's in control for a while. Um, a really nice forearm kind of spot there. And then um, some more ass slapping into a hip attack. Those fucking hip attacks are just ruthless. The, somehow they're getting more brutal every time. I don't know how that's possible at this point because they just are so insane. Like, it is it one of those things you think Tony? Tony, I called you Tony Charlie. Where fucking Tony Storm, um, like literally just says, J- "Just be ready for it," and she doesn't even tell them like because it's there's no way that shit doesn't hurt, right? Like, come on, man, it's a nice soft surprise. No, listen, bud. Listen, bud. <laughs> not funny. going there yet. All right, okay. bud. So after that, there's a really nice DDT off the ropes from Tony. Um. So yeah, uh, Hammer Hater head hits. Uh, Hater ends up countering into a really cool pin attempt. You fucked up. Um. Some let's go, Jamie chance rain again. Rebel has arrived. Is it time for some shenanigans? Uh, Tony is busted open at this point. Uh, some bloody wood time. You know, a rebel clocks Tony with the title. Jamie hits the sliding lariat for a really nice two count. Uh, Rebel gets kicked out. Tony lands the haterade. Uh, Britt then clocks uh, for a uh, two count there. Uh, Britt clocks Tony with the title um, on top of the stomp. So she 
uh, Tony kind of fell outside of the ring, and Britt fucking curb stomped her onto the title. Throws her back in. Jamie hits a Storm Zero, and Tony kicks out again. I'm like, oh my god, they're going super fucking human. Haterade is avoided. Uh, she hits a German Storm Zero, and another kick out. This time it's by Jamie. Um, Hater ends up landing the hate bre- the hate breaker, and another kick out at two. Uh, Tony gets hit in the turnbuckle after Britt's kind of unbuckling it. And Jamie lands the Haterade, and she is the new champion. What a match. Uh, genuinely, what a fucking match. And what a pop. Jamie Hater. They wasted no fucking time. She's the interim world champion. What What did you I, think about this and the result, man? I mean, dude. Just Jamie a Hayter. really, yeah, just a really, really great match. Um, I gotta be honest with you. I did not see them changing the championship here just because of how great Tony Storm's title reign has been, which we'll get into in a second. Been unreal. But- but, uh, I, you know, sometimes that's the right time to take the championship off of somebody is when there's such a tidal wave of momentum, you know. Um, and now that has all been transferred directly onto Jamie Hayter, which will now make her possibly. And this is I'm going to say it, Charlie. She might possibly surpass Britt Baker as the, in the terms of the level of a heel women's champion. She may just do it because I got to be honest with you, man, that reaction there's only a couple of people in the company that get reactions like that period, let alone for winning a championship. Like, yeah, I mean, Jamie Hayter is now on that next level. She's been on that next level for a long time, but she finally has the strap to back it up now. I and can't believe we're sitting here with Jamie Hayter and MJF as our champions. Like I know, this, dude. It's still hard. To, it's still hard to uh, comprehend. So we, cool. Got to get used to it because next this Wednesday is going to be MJF opening up the show with a promo. You know it is. So many good feuds we could jump into. I hope. I really hope Thunder Rose is able to come back soon, so we can figure this whole interim thing out. You know what I think might actually happen now if they're smart. If they're smart, what they could do is they could come out and have either Tony Khan or Thunder Rosa come on the show at some point and be like. Hey, I know we did this whole interim title thing, but we all know there's been a lot of nonsense associated with these interim titles. We're not getting rid of the interim title. What we're doing is now, instead of it being you face the champion, the, if if somebody was cha- if some whoever wins the interim title, and like let's say Tony Storm then drops it this many months later, right? I know this is all like storyline stuff you have to think about, but like I'm just thinking in my head, how could you justify? not having that match between her and Tony. You know what I mean? I think you kind of have to, and maybe you make it just a number one contenders match. And you just do that this one time, because I just don't know if this, I, I just, I've been talking to you about this lately. Man. I don't know about this interim title thing. It's starting to like cloud how you have to book things because I feel like I'll be straight up. I never thought Thunder Rosa versus Jamie Hayter, but why do I care about that match? I care about the Thunder Rosa versus Tony Storm match because Tony Storm talked all kinds of shit as soon as, as soon as Thunder Rosa was out the door. So I want to see where that goes. I don't have any desire to see Thunder Rosa come back and potentially just jack the title from Jamie Hayter. I'm sorry. That's the truth. Like, you know, like I don't have any desire to see that. So I think a number one contenders type situation might be the only thing you could do here. Yeah, it could be pretty cool. Um, Maybe they'll set a time limit. Like, Hey, if it's past 90 days, you're going to lose your but title. But that feels so silly because then why are we even doing interim titles if there's a time limit on it? Like, You got to figure it out. I mean, if it's a if it's a perma injury, you just strip it. They've stripped it. So we've seen them strip it. We've seen them do interim. The, 
the one I always go back to is the Cody one. The first interim title made the most sense. He had COVID. He couldn't defend it. You had to get an interim champion. Because that was the promotion. That was the match was the promoted match. That's that's what you do. So Yeah. Um I don't know. Pretty, I just don't know. Like cool it's tough because here. like like let's say I'm just spitballing here. Let's say you broke your arm, but you're only gonna be out like three weeks, but you definitely can't wrestle for three weeks. Do I put the interim title on somebody in that time? It's a serious injury and you can't wrestle, you can't even be on TV because you should be healing. Yeah, you, you probably would. Yeah. So then what's unless okay. it's literally something that you're only off TV for two weeks and no one even notices, that's probably I mean Cody Cody was only gone three weeks. That's what I mean. It's like it feels like they they've shifted it to being like if it's gonna be a long term injury, that's when we do it. But if it's a short term injury, then we don't. Because then we just hide it and pretend like there's no title for a few weeks. Yeah. But like I don't it's, know. It's it's food for thought. I mean it's it's a it's an ever working process, right? So so real quick, let's kinda of jump through Jamie Hayter's uh, title reign, right? So she wins it at all out. This is a relatively quicker uh, interim title reign. Yes. It's 76 days, but she was unbelievably active those 76 days. Like every fucking week active. She wins the title against Britt Baker, Hikaru Shida, Jamie Hayter in a really fun match at all out. Um, that week on Dynamite, she has an uh, interim world title eliminator match where she takes on Penelope Ford. thought that was a really Great fun match. match. And then um, flash forward two dynamites after that. She defends her title in the Grand Slam four-way against Athena, Britt Baker, and Serena Deeb. Fun little match. Mm-hmm. The following week, Lumberjack match. Tony Storm for the interim uh, title. Tony Storm defeats Serena Deeb. Two weeks yeah, after that was a good match. Yeah, that two weeks after that on AW Dark in a world title eliminator, Tony Storm defeats Emi Sakura in a match you and I both really liked. Yes. That, that was really fun. Banger. Hikaru, um, she then defends the interim title against Hikaru Shida on Title Tuesday. She then has an eliminator match against Diamante on Dark. She then defeats Anna JAS this past week in an eliminator match. So, so literally one match and everything else was fucking spectacular. Like... Yeah, it was it was pretty nuts, and, and Anna Jay's match was still good too. I just think it wasn't. And in the rest. between all of that, I mean, she's got tag matches. She's got with with Hikaru Shida and with Athena and Willow and Serena Deeb. I mean, Tony Storm was unbelievably busy, and I thought she did a really good job as an interim champion. I think this is just an example of striking when the iron's hot. When the iron's hot for Jamie Hayter, and this is something that. You know, she got she got over and she's going to get rewarded for it. And they went out and had one hell of a fucking match. I will say that. Yes, I really this was Jamie Hader's best match by a mile. And this is honestly could be my favorite Tony Storm match, too. I like this better than the all out four way. So. If that shows you how much I really like this thing and they got time too, 15 minutes. It's a beautiful match. Beautiful feud. This is what we we I remember saying to you, Charlie, when Tony Storm won the championship. I the end game of this is Jamie Hader. I didn't think I didn't think Hader was going to win it, but I, I knew that we that's where we were headed because that is a story that just tells itself. You and know? coming out of all out with with the Jamie Hader chance and how 
I think All Out really opened their eyes. Like, yeah, James I think yeah, legit. I think All Out was one of the first pay per views where AW finally said, you know what, fuck it, we actually should just do what the fans want. I'm just being real; it's the truth. I feel like I feel like there was a long time when AW said, nope, we know what wrestling is, and now they finally just accepted that. You know what? Maybe we should just give the fans what they want. I I agree to an extent. They they have like the strike that when the iron's hot. That is, I mean, the only guy that really got fucked over with that was Wardlow, which is so unfortunate. Uh, do the acclaimed. Let's be real. The acclaimed would be on yep, strike six levels above where they are now if they had somehow known. And, and nobody can know. But if you could have somehow figured that out, that would have been, dude, they'd be literally the biggest, probably the biggest tag team in the world right now. And they're pretty close, but like, goddamn, that, that would have sent them into the stratosphere. But yeah, so speaking of the acclaimed, we are yep. coming into our feud with Swerve in Our Glory. And we kind of figured this would be the finale of the feud. Um, during the promo package, Keith Lee says, we don't need a cheat code because I am the cheat code. I really like that. Swerve debuting a new ma- a new mask in his entrance. Caster was just straight up roasting people. He, uh, the line that stuck with me, Keith Lee, is looks like the guy from the blind side. <laughs> <laughs> fucking roasting him, dude. Like, he had the line about fucking, uh, what was it? It was, uh, shit, it was super good. It was, uh, fuck, I can't remember what it was. He compared them to somebody. I can't remember who it was. Oh, the Black Jay and Silent Bob. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on, dude. <laughs> that was good. So, Bowens and Swerve get some nice exchanges to get us rolling. Uh, Bowens is selling hard from the beatdowns. Um, Lee actually ends up then laying waste to Bowens, so they're really starting to sell a knee. And Swerve fucks up uh, Bowens with a nice jaw to the face. He fucking jawed his ass. I, I thought that was nice. Bowens finally gets some uh, uh, offense going. He flips Keith Lee. There's a mini scissor party on the outside. <laughs> um, <laughs> Caster's landing some moves to Keith and Swerve. Bowens ends up hitting a really nice knee strike into a nice cutter on Swerve. Keith saves Swerve from going through the guardrail. Uh, Caster puts Keith Lee then through the guardrail. The the first uh, ooh, sister me daddy chant starts breaking out. Swerve hits a really nice flatliner on Bowens. Bowens kicks out of a Swerve kill shot kick. Another two kill shots by Swerve. Another kill shot by <laughs> on uh, Bowens, and he kicks out at two. Bowens uh, lands the arrival. Caster hits the mic drop. Keith breaks it up. Bowens can't pick up Swerve, and he's getting face kicked. Keith is now legal, and he's just running fucking rough shot. There's a couple Yeet, of pounces everywhere. And then a finisher is hit on Caster, and he kicks out at two. I'm sorry. I'm just going to cut in here and say that that fucking Beal just needs to be renamed to Yeetly. Yeetly. The crowd is fucking losing it after the Swerve and Our Glory hit their finisher on Caster and he kicks out. They're going nuts. Uh, Swerve finds some pliers. He's going after Caster's fingers. Uh, Daddy Ass doesn't allow that shit. He runs out. Some really loud Daddy Ass chants. <laughs> Swerve wants Keith to use the pliers to cheat. He wants him to turn to the dark side, but he won't do it. Swerve slaps the piss out of Keith Lee. Keith then starts walking out. He says he's not doing this shit anymore. Bowens hits a really nice combo, ending with a super kick. The JML driver by Swerve is reversed by Bowens. Finisher time, the acclaimed retain. This was, this match had the distance. This was was about 20 minutes. And this felt like the last chapter in the book of the acclaimed and Swerve in our glory. It did. It's the last chapter of the feud. It's the last chapter of, well, 
Swerve in Our Glory is about to have another chapter of uh, the feud that they go into. But, yeah, I, I imagine. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I thought this match was excellent. This feud has been unfucking real. Both uh, both parties are more over than they were before. And yeah, uh, what'd you think of this match? And uh, I guess what'd you think of the feud overall? Now that it's probably the last time. Um, I thought it was really great overall. I feel like this elevated both teams. I feel like. Both Keith Lee and Swerve are going to be massive single stars coming out of this. And the Acclaimed have now become, I think it's fair to say, the biggest tag team in AEW at this point. I mean, maybe not the best, but certainly the most popular, the big, like the maybe the most known by the fans, beloved by the fans. I think it's them at this point. Yeah, we, we've had our, our unbelievable three of FTR, Young Bucks, and Lucha Brothers, but there's always people that can crack in there. And the acclaimed, the fact that they're a homegrown team too, which is pretty nuts. It's it's pretty <laughs> cool to see. Yeah, I I I think it was kind of quiet, but we did get some Osis or Me Daddy chants. Um, we did, and I did put in my notes, Charlie. This might have to go down as the feud of the year. JAS versus BCC's been on everything, but this has been consistent the entire time. It really. It's been nuts. Even the side stuff, the Bowens and Swerve singles match, the the Daddy Ass and Swerve match, you know, I've liked them all. And the crowd's been into all of it. Like, you can't say that every other one of those teams has always got the entirety of the crowd behind it. Because they do sometimes. And some other matches, it's like, oh, this is, where's the audience going? You know, like, whereas the Acclaimed, they do numbers. We know that for a fact. The Acclaimed are also super popular with just the AEW fan base in general. And the merch sales. Yes. They, yeah, absolutely. They're, 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 they're top t-shirt sellers. I mean, the fact that the Oh Scissor Me Daddy shirt went to number one immediately tells you everything you need to know right there. You know, like, um, and other things that I noticed in this match is that I keep saying this and I'll keep saying it until he turns the baby face again, but Swerve is so goddamn good at this heel work, man. So fucking good at it. And this was no different. He was all over the place in this match. It was like he walked out and it's like it's from that entrance. They wanted you to know what the vibe was when he had that mask on. Swerve is That's the a good Joker. way of putting it. Yeah. He is, he is the evil bastard that we all expected him to be. And um, so um, oh, the acclaimed also had some really good combo offense in this. Their combo offense combination offense is getting really good. Uh, almost to the level of like regular like multi-year tag teams you know i mean they are at this point but i'm saying like people that have been wrestling for like five ten years on the indies or whatever like that have just like a million moves they know how to do together like th- they're starting to get to that point um there was a really nice cross body that was hit uh on keith lee which sent him through the barricade like he's like, i think i don't know if you mentioned that or not but that was a nuts spot um yeah. that's a classic swerve thing by the way the whole barricade spot that's he loves that shit so i love seeing that um and yeah, Keith Lee refuses to turn to the dark side. Um so I, clearly Keith Lee versus versus Swerve is gonna be one of our big matches that winter is coming. And man, it's gonna be a banger, I imagine, because they've been working together now for months and months and months. So you know they know each other even better than they probably already did when they were tag team partners before. And man, Pretty much since they arrived, man, following the Team Taz feud, and we really like that. 
Yes, we, we we said that earlier. Like Team Taz, one of our favorite teams. Like, and we like we were like the only people that were into Team Taz. Like, it's why Team Taz got cut because no one was really into it. But like, I and also you know it's storylines. But I mean, like other than that, like you know, like I just yeah. what did just and by the way, love the respect that this match got by being the second to last match on the show. That says a lot. It really does. So, uh, you know, we just had we. Um, Kind of just looking at some updates I was getting on my phone. They they finally they did announce the next pay per view now, so it is going to be in San Francisco, uh, March fifth. So we got we got some time, man. We got winners coming. There'll be some fun shows in January, and March fifth, AW is Revolution. Is that Revolution? Okay, yeah, yeah. So I can't wait to see what that card looks like from here on out. And We're have a hot minute with no fucking pay per views, huh? Yeah, that full gear stretch last year, November 13th to March 6th, this year, November 19th to March 5th. So that stretch, I mean, can it be filled again by fun TV? Well, we'll have, technically, we'll have Ring of Honor Final Battle in there. Yep, that's one of the differences this year. We're going to have Ring of Honor Final Battle. That'll be cool. So let's get into our main event. Okay. But before we had that. That was when they announced the AW World Trios Championship Best of Seven Series. Woo! I this is just this is so smart, right? The Elite and Death Triangle Best of Seven. I'll run through the dates real quick. This week on Dynamite Match Two. Next week on Dynamite Match Three. Two weeks later at Winter Is Coming Match Four. Week after that, December 21st, AW Holiday Bash, Match 5. At New Year's Smash, the following week, December 28th, uh, Match 6. And when they go to the Kia Forum, Match 7, it says if necessary, bullshit. January 11th at the Kia Forum, Match 7, the Elite vs. Death Triangle. So in let me California. just ask you this question, because I, I have to ask this because it just popped into my head. Is this going to work out in a way where whoever wins the most of the seven matches is the champion? Correct. I think the champion will be crowned January so, 11th. Okay, that's perfect. So you're literally saying that if, if they win, because I don't think they're going to win with a sweep, I can't imagine. No. I, I, if they win, it's going to be seven weeks from now. Dude, that's basically a pay-per-view build. And it's fucking, it's going to be sick. Or, sorry, six <laughs> weeks from now, I should so say. so cool, too, dude. Six like, weeks. We're going to get six weeks of this insane match. And then we're going to possibly get the Elite as a trio's champions again, dude. And can, when the Sheamus and Cesaro best of seven thing happened, I remember you and I were like, why don't more people do this? Well, I know at the time when it first happened, I was like, what a stupid thing. Because no one was really into that feud at all. Yeah. It was but like, eventually like, oh. they bought in. Yes, like by match three, everyone was like, this is, every one of these matches is good. Like, they, can they could keep this up? And then by the time we got to match seven and they became a tag team, I mean, that ended up being one of the biggest things that happened in whatever the year that was. Like, that was insane. And we were all like, what if this imagine? is something they start doing with the trio's title, like once a year? They just have a little two-month stretch of a best of seven. That might be a great way to open the year every year, just with a best of seven for those titles. Because Oh my need- God, man, that's so fucking good. So yeah, we had the Holiday Bash, New Year's Smash. We got a whole bunch of extra little fun dynamites that we'll be hitting. So let's jump into it. John yes. Moxley, MJF, AEW World Championship. MJF, he's getting the babyface reactions. He's motorboating some titties. Are you kidding what the me? Fuck? 
this match felt big. I I, I wrote this match My man really said, feels damn, huge. and he had to. I I, I, I didn't even that. What if that wasn't even a plant? Like, what if that was just literally someone that was? I like, can't hey, imagine it being somebody that wasn't a plant. That was. That didn't seem like they would plant that. He had to win that match after that. Straight up. (laughs) Um, Mox. So here's the story, right? Mox is laying in the heavy hits. There's some let's go MJF chance. They try to get let's go Mox chance. Those died really quickly. And those chants, you get a little crazy later on. MJF, he's doing his little run in the ropes. Crowd is eating it up. He's just taunting Mox. The crowd then starts to boo Mox. MJF is the face. Mox is the bracing the heat. He starts laying in some more offense. MJF bites the wrist when he's in a headlock. He sells for a bit. Mox here is being methodical. You know, in the promos and the buildup to the feud, he's been very like tempted in what he's saying, and he's and he's he's kind of keeping a certain pace to it. He's keeping a certain tone, and yeah, you felt that tone in the match at the beginning. You really did. Mox is feeling confident here that MJF can't hang with him. Um, there's a failed spray attempt from MJF and Mox is just like, dude, you're nothing. You, you j- that was what you tried to do to me and it, it didn't work. MJF finally hits a big comeback move after returning to the ring. He gets in his little jabs that he's kind of going nuts with. He, he does his turnbuckle spot where he's slamming the head repeatedly. I remember that. That was one of the moves that first stuck out to me in MLW with him. True shit. Um, the tables get set up. MJF lands the tombstone on the apron. He's selling his knee after this. Uh, did his knee okay, slip gotta, out of the... I just got to jump in really quick. This was a yeah. brilliant spot they did here. Yes, it so, was. So MJF has set up this table to do a pile driver through the table. And that's a spot we've seen people do before in AEW. It's kind of become a classic AEW spot. Really dangerous, I'm sure, but it's really cool looking. And Mox just barely gets enough of his weight down to where when Mox... Or sorry, excuse me. When when Max uh, hits the tombstone on the apron, it busts his knee, and yep. now he can't get him back up for the pile driver, which gives Mox the perfect opportunity to then reverse the move into his own pile driver through the table. Which I just thought was a brilliant way to use that spot to not have to have Max look like an idiot and get put through a table he set up. He actually tried to hit it, and it just yep. didn't work out because of the, the option that he went with when he got Mox in that tombstone. So I just thought that was really good. That's just high IQ MJF wrestling right there. High, the story of this. It, it's a beautiful story, man. It's a story that we're following along with, too. A- after that, there's a nine count. You know, is, is he going to let his this? Is this going to get ruined by this? Because he, he only had this look on up. his face at the count of eight or maybe it was seven. That like it looked like I, the only way I can describe it to you, Charlie, is it looked like the look of somebody who can see their only opportunity, what they might think is their only opportunity to become a great wrestler or great whatever, great just to become great, slipping away. That's what it felt yeah. like when I saw that on his face. The facial expressions, man, just unbelievable. He gets back in the ring immediately. Paradigm shift. Ah, uh, shit. Here we go. It's a two count. Figure four leg lock, and this is going on for like two and a half minutes here. These figure four, they're they're twisting back and forth. He's getting, you know, the one, two, because he, he can't lay down because he can't stop the pain. Mox is just putting him in a whirlwind of hell. Um, really good stuff. MJF with a heat seeker is very nice. Max counters MJF into his hurt knee. He works even more on the hurt knee, and that's when the fuck you Moxley chants break out. 
Mox is again picking apart his food. He's landed some of the signature BCC moves, an avalanche paradigm shift Dude, for a two count. That was one of my favorite break. parts of this match. It was almost like those Blackpool Combat Club spots were corrupted slowly over the course of this match. Yes. Dude, the, the story here is fucking awesome. It's so good. I just I can't believe it, man. That way to put it, it, it was corrupting him. The two count for the rope break. If you guys don't know this, I'm a sucker for a good rope break. I like a good rope break. My that favorite. was your little signal too, the little fingy. Yep. Kevin Owens with the fucking finger rope break still is my favorite rope break ever. So good. Give me your fucking best Who shot. Who the hell was he even wrestling? Was that Jericho? Is either AJ Styles or Sami Zayn or Chris Jericho is one of them. I can't remember. You're right. I, well, I, th- I think it might have been at WrestleMania. I'm not even kidding. I, I think so. He says, Mo- uh, Mox is saying, give me your best fucking shot. Hit me, motherfucker. MGF spits. A lot of bitch slapping going on because Mox then just slaps that motherfucker across the fucking face. There's the yeah, the boo forearm symphony. Yeah, boo. MGF's getting the yeah. Mox is getting the boo. I bet he liked this. He probably loved playing the heel, man. He was really embracing that heat. Um, you could tell how fucking much fun he was having, dude. Like, you could just see it. And he was just like, and the way he stared down the crowd, like, really? You're going to side with this guy? Okay. You're, you're going to side with this piece of shit? Really? They're like, okay. MJF no. then pulls the ref in front and Mox makes connection. MJF has the diamond ring. Regal wants him to put it down. He gives into it. He fucking throws it down. He's all pissed off. Mox is behind him. He, uh, Mo- or Max is flipping off Regal. Mox gets behind him, jokes him up. There's a really good two count. Another ref jumps up. The both refs are knocked out. There's a bulldog choke. MGF is tapped. He's tapping out. The refs are all fucked up, so nothing's happening. Regal tosses MJF the brass knuckles. Let me just say how fucking smooth that looked, too. Are you kidding me? The he t- this is the passing of the torch of the brass knuckles. He just passed the torch. MGF cracks Moxley over the skull. He wins the title. He's the new world champion. He's celebrating over Moxley's dead carcass. He's then doing snow angels on the goddamn ramp. Regal was the devil all along. And I just think Man. the promos, I almost want to go back and look at everything again now, knowing that this is what they were planning. Regal was the one that he, the whole time, the whole time, Regal was the devil. MJF is the official holder. No, now Charlie, the you don't even have to go back. I can tell you right now that if you go back to the original promo, because every watched it like 97 times because it was that good. Um, <laughs> a big through line of that was that. It wasn't that he thought Mox was the devil. He still thought he was the devil. Yeah. And he was saying, MJF, you're not on my level. But then MJF proved him wrong by going out there and trying to fool everyone into thinking. I think that's the whole story here is that he went to Mox. Sorry, he went to Max after their interaction. And they must have planned something out where he was going to pretend to be leaning in to what because I don't think the story here is that, oh, he saw that he finally was willing to do it the right way, and that's why he helped him. No, he didn't care. It was never about that. He just wanted to set him up to lose against Mox. 
the truth is he wanted to help MJF the whole time and he could see the writing on the wall for Mox. I think that's what the whole idea was. I, I'd have to, like you said, go back through and get the exact line. Yeah. But I believe I the wait. whole... What happens to the combat club from here? What, what, what It's going to implode. Charlie, that's been the story the last several weeks has been they have been having slowly building tensions. Wheeler hasn't been on TV for the last couple of weeks because of his actions. And we're going to assume that that's probably related, at least in storyline. You know what I mean? That he hasn't yeah. been on because they've been giving him a little, a few, a few, a few weeks off because of him getting you know hot with Danielson and all that. And Danielson's not been fully on point. He's been losing matches because of that. We have um, Mox. Losing the championship, which obviously shows that he's unsettled. We have all of this tension building up in the Blackpool Combat Club. Charlie, I think it's about to implode. Are we about to get like months of Blackpool Combat Club inner fucking feuding of just megasonic meat matches? Or alternatively, Charlie, and this is something I think is possible. I think it could be that MJF just replaces Mox. Whoa. And that, that like maybe the nuts. story there is that, that that sort of subtle hint that's always been there from day one with Mox and and uh and uh and uh, um oh my god, William Regal not quite being on the same page because they remember what was the first thing that he did when he got to AEW when he made his promo after he split the two of them apart at the previous pay-per-view on Revolution. He said, This is the best wrestler in the world, Brian Danielson. That's why I respect him. And then he basically called Mox a piece of shit. And that's why he liked him. Because he reminded him of himself when he was younger. That would be kind of an insult to most people. So I think this has been subtly being planted in the back of our minds since day one. Oh, I love it, man. I really do. (sighs) Needless to say, I think for both of us, this really delivered. I think Full Gear was a resounding success. I'm very happy with fucking I'm very happy with the year of pay-per-views we had our main events, Adam Page versus Adam Cole at Revolution, Adam Page versus CM Punk at Double or Nothing, John Moxley versus Hiroshi Tanahashi at Forbidden Door, Moxley versus Punk at All Out and Moxley versus MJF at Full Gear. Now, obviously, I think both of us wish the, the Punk thing worked out differently than it did. And, you know, it's. it's still crazy to me that that punk versus hangman match is still one of the biggest matches of the year like it was incredible that double or nothing match was so good and the feeling of punk winning and that dynamite the next week with him and ftr it was so fucking cool man man but it's a different era now man mjf jamie Hayter. those are our world champions and you know uh mjf world champion samoa joe TNT champion, Orange Cassidy, All-Atlantic champion, Hook, FTW champion, our tag champs, uh, the Acclaimed are the tag tier, uh, tag champs, Death Triangle, the trios champs, and then our women's champs, Thunder Rosa, technically, Jamie Hayter interim, and Jade Cargill. Jade Cargill, who is coming up on a year of, and this is something people have been pointing out, I mean, she's one of the most dominant black wrestlers ever. Like, she, the records have not been that long from what people were pointing out mainly in WWE and stuff and she's already at a full year not losing and that's I don't think that's ending anytime soon I, I mean really I truly don't think that's ending anytime soon 
And I mean, I agree, but for different reasons, <laughs> I don't think it's because it's spectacular. I think it's, I think I just don't know what to do. I think even if I think, and I think this is uh, that, that, that stuff is great. I'm really glad that that's a thing, but oh, I yeah. think, and I think this is kind of the problem at this point is like, they know that she's great and they know that she can do more, especially without having to have the TBS title, which I do think she's actually elevating more than it's elevating her at this point. Um, I think a thousand percent. Well, I'm saying in the way that I think that her being champion, I think if she wasn't champion, she would be in the exact same spot she is now. Whereas I think if somebody else was in doing exactly the same storyline as her, that they would actually, it would probably work. And I just mean that I think that she doesn't need the championship. They don't need the championship either, but the championship would elevate them. I don't know. I don't know if it's a, a good reflection that she doesn't, that she almost would benefit to not having it, you know, if that makes sense. Because um, I, I don't know why I feel that way, but I do. Because um, there's just no end in sight. Because I'm, I'm all for everyone being dominant and us breaking and shattering records. But we shouldn't be breaking and shattering records because we don't have a way out. That feels like, like that's you're you're not actually doing the work. You're just saying, well, I actually don't know how to fix like. I don't know, actually know how to make her a bigger star. So I'm just going to keep her in this corner for forever. So that's, yeah. that's the only problem I have with the TBS championship. The right eventually it feels like it's trapping Jade at this point and from being that's able fair. to go out and make the show bigger because she would. And, and I, I find it difficult to find somebody. I, I would find it difficult to find somebody that would be able to make an argument convincingly that if she wasn't, if she wasn't that, that if she was, not TBS champion right now that the, the AEW would benefit significantly. From oh yeah. That. She'd be on TV about 65% less just like Athena. I mean, I, I think it's the whole thing of there's two women segments a night. So at least if she's champion, that's their excuse to put the title on. But again, if they never had the title, would that be the story? Who knows? But I'm, I'm just saying, I think she would have made it anyway. I think she's that. Oh, I do too. Talent. I just don't think that at this point, and maybe at one point it was a benefit to her to have the championship, but I just I think at this point it's just dragging her down at this point because it's like they don't know what to do with it, and they can't put together a good storyline with it. So it's like until they can do those things, the undefeated streak can work, but the championship reign just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, um, because I feel like hear me out. I know I'm going long here on an already super long show, but hear me out. Jade Cargill is talented enough that if she had just won the championship and lost it the next night, I'm not kidding you. It would not have affected her ability to get over and stay over and be this unstoppable force one iota. And I think that might have been the misstep was maybe it shouldn't have been like, obviously it shouldn't have been a one day title reign. Maybe it should have been three months and then find a way to not completely lose all the momentum of having her lose the title. And I feel like that's the point where it all got lost because I think they agree with me on that. I think that was the plan. I don't think she was ever planned on being a six year champion. I don't think that was ever the plan, you know? Cause I don't see how that, again, I don't see how that benefits anybody. You've got to make more stars eventually, you know? Yeah. So, I think that might have been the plan, but then they just didn't have anybody they felt comfortable putting it on, man. I think that's genuinely what it is. Like, and so because of that, now it feels like it hurts Jade. So I don't know. 
we'll see in the future though. Yeah, I, I don't know how long she's gonna be champion. And I I'm telling you, there's <sighs> the day she drops it, I'll give it three, four weeks before she's going for the world title. And well, I if that's re- the case, then why are we not headed there? That's I've been saying that the whole time. Come we're, on. Now. We're not headed there because Jamie's champion now, so they're gonna run Jamie for about six months. And then what I'm if- saying is Six months ago, that should have been the plan. Like, it should have been, get this TBS title on her, make it mean something, have her hold it for a little bit of time. Then yeah. once that's established, which was way earlier than I think anybody thought that championship would have meant so much more than the rest of the championships, you know? And then have it go on to somebody who needs it more, and then have Jake go after the world title. That was always my argument. I've been making that argument for months. So well, I don't know I'm why sure they- when they drop it, they that's what they're going to do with her, but... Yeah, she's she's still building up the resume week to week. You know, now she's beaten Nyla Rose, which is definitely the biggest name so far for the title that she's beaten. I mean, that's the former champion. I I want to say that's the first former women's world champion she's beat. But yeah, guys, um, that's gonna be it for us. So I hope you really enjoyed our full gear coverage. And as you can tell, we got a lot coming up, man. There's a lot of stuff that's gonna be answered over the coming months. We got the best of seven. We got this Wednesday, we got Ethan Page and Ricky Starks, Ishii and Chris Jericho, Orange Cassidy and Jake Hager. There's some really fun stuff coming up. So, yeah, I think Full Gear, needless to say, in a thumbs up, thumbs down world, was a thumbs down. Fuck this show. No, get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out. Thumbs up all day. We'll catch you guys next Sunday when we're talking about Ricky Starks going on to face MJF, motherfucker. Let's go. Let's go. He's better than you, and you know it.